join me tonight in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 12. I love you, church. I thank God for you. I'm so grateful to be connected to you precious people. I thank the Lord for this church. God's doing great things among us. Amen. I want you to be praying about uh, revival, be in prayer for revival, be praying for Brother Shepherd. Um, this is kind of one of those uh, seasons where um, I feel like the timing could be really good right now to just give us a boost. Having revivals always, always been a sacrifice, and uh, I know it's difficult to get here on multiple nights, um, but I'm thankful for it, and I'm believing God that he's going to touch us and, and give us a special word. I, I laughed about it this morning, but I really kind of felt more confidence that the steps of the righteous are ordered of the Lord when uh, Brother Shepherd said that he was at home resting before he came. And uh, I'm believing God to just give him a special boost, give him a word for us. And uh, we're going to help him preach, aren't we? Amen. Amen. Some of us are going to do our best to finally reach that miracle. I don't know if he'll try to preach that or not. But we've been two feet from a miracle for about four years now. And he never did finish it. So I don't know if he will or not. Exodus chapter 12, verse 21. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said unto them, Draw out and take you a lamb according to your families and kill the Passover. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop Dip it in the blood that's in the basin. Strike the lintel, the two side post, with the blood that's in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to smite the Egyptians. And when he seeth the blood on the lintel and on the two side post, the Lord will pass over the door. And will not suffer the destroyer to come into your houses to smite you. This is the story of the very first Passover that's still celebrated every year to this day by the Jewish people. And truthfully, by anybody that's been filled with the, the blood of filled with the Holy Ghost and washed by the blood of Jesus, we can celebrate it every single day. But this was the Passover. The very first one. And uh, tonight I came in the sanctuary and was listening to the choir sing and practice. I usually don't do that. I just kind of keep to myself in the office until prayer time. But as I was listening to them sing, something just drew me to the sanctuary. I sat a few rows back and just sang with them about the blood of Jesus. Because I want you to know tonight there is nothing in this world like the blood of Jesus. Are you hearing what this preacher is telling you tonight? There's nothing like the blood of Jesus. And so if I could tonight for just a little bit, I'm going to preach to you. I don't plan on being here long, but I want to preach it to you. It still takes the blood. It still takes the blood. You may be seated in Jesus' name. It was several years ago that I came across, a, uh, I came across an article that was kind of shocking to me. I didn't know... Anything like it even existed, and I have talked about it in the past. I've, uh, I've, I've even preached it some about uh, the particular case study that I, I found through this article and studied it out just a little bit. And um, it was a very interesting article that had to deal with uh, the adventures of medicine. Now, there's a reason they call it practice. But uh, the adventures of medicine and, and how they were kind of trying to get out of, uh, of, of some situations that seemed to always be there knocking on the door. One of them is that there seems to always be a shortage of blood. They need more people going to the blood bank and giving, and that becomes more and more complex over time. Um, I think uh, last count I had, Brother McLean had given 850 gallons or something. How many gallons was it? Ten gallons of blood that he had given. He was a, a blood-giving machine. My dad used to give it quite a bit. And uh, so uh, there's always a shortage. They're always looking for it. And so some of these scientists got together, and, and, and they, they created this formula 
that was a synthetic blood. And uh, they said, this is going to fix our shortage problems forever. And they, uh, they started using it. And they said, it, it fixes so many problems. We don't have to refrigerate it. It has no shelf life. And it was synthetic blood. And I, the first glimpse I caught of it, I was walking through the airport. And uh, they had one of the national news networks on. I was in Atlanta airport, I think it was. So you can just about guess the network. And they were talking about this synthetic blood. And I thought, that's impossible. It just don't work. So I started researching, studying it. I'm like, what in the world? How, how does this happen? And so over time, they started trying to figure this out, how to do this. Longer shelf life. We don't have to refrigerate it. There'll never be a shortage. We can make it. They started injecting it in people that needed blood. And guess what started happening? Started having heart attacks. The hemoglobin in artificial blood is free-floating. Instead of being enclosed in red blood cells. And it allows it to enter the spaces between the cells where it mops up the nitric oxide. Which is a molecule that helps keep the blood vessels open. And so they come to an understanding. And my, my God have mercy. If I had about a month, I could preach this right here. But the ultimate findings of medicine thus far is no matter what they've tried or what they've done or what they have brewed together and put together, are you ready for what they found? There is no substitute for blood. They've tried everything they know to do and there's no substitute for it. They can't figure out how to mock it. They can't figure out how to imitate it. They can't figure out how to duplicate it. There is absolutely no substitute for the blood. And I'm telling you today we're living, living in dangerous times when that, that very study leaves medicine and it creeps into our churches and we started trying to replace the blood with synthetic means of salvation. Anybody want to preach with me on Sunday night? I've seen it happen across this land. Have people have tried to strip the blood away. It's too messy. It's too dirty. It's too painful. It has to do with death and we don't want that. They've replaced the blood with confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. I feel like telling you tonight, there's no substitute for the blood. Hallelujah. Forgive me if it sounds like I'm, I'm trying to be uh, derogatory tonight because I don't mean it to be such, but sometimes I, I feel like that the, the aroma that rises into the nostrils of God has got to be putrid with what some people call pure religion. I think if I, if I could draw a word picture for you on what some modern religion looks like, we've replaced the Passover blood on the door and the lentil for our family with sweet-smelling Egyptian perfume. We've applied the perfume of Egypt over our door and said, well, I hope this is enough to suffice. But I made up my mind a long time ago for my family and for this church. Whatever it costs, it's worth having the blood on the doorpost and the lentil. I'm telling you tonight, we better never stop preaching about the blood. We better never stop singing about the blood. We better never stop talking about the blood. Because there is no substitute for the blood. Blood scares people. It does. It scares people. My oldest nephew, Noah, uh, he's a grown man now. But uh, when Noah was little, blood freaked him out. He was a big old baby. Noah, was, he was huge, man. And uh, so he, he grew up really fast. But he was a wildcat. And he was always, you know, getting hurt or whatever. And, and uh, he could get the littlest old cut in his leg. And if he, he, if it, you know, if it didn't bleed, he was fine. But if it, if it got just a little bit of blood, you'd have thought we were going to have to call the ambulance. And he had this deal that he would say before he learned to talk plain. When he would see the blood on the sore on his leg, he would start screaming, It's got bleed on it. It's got bleed on it. It's got bleed on it. And you couldn't convince him that he wasn't going to die with the bleed on it. Oh, man, I've heard him. Ah, it's got bleed on it. You know, just freaking out. Got bleed on it. 
I'm like, yeah, son, we'll wipe it off. It's okay. You're not going to die. It's just, it's just a little surface stretch. Rub some dirt in that thing, son. Grow up. Be a man. It ain't even going to be a raspberry tomorrow. That's what we do if we got a britches bloody playing softball. We just slide again, get enough dirt in there to kind of coagulate it, you know. It's got bleed on it. And so I know blood freaks, freaks people out. You know, you, you can, uh, this is going to sound so disgusting, but there, there's a doctor uh, on YouTube. I guess it's the only place that, I don't know, maybe it's got a show. She's got a show or whatever. It's called Dr. Pimple Popper. Man, there's a bunch of sick people in here. I saw y'all nodding like you watch her frequently. What is wrong with you people? And, and, and she cuts into like sebaceous cysts and things like that. It's very disgusting. And you can tell people that don't like blood because if you say, hey, check this out. And they sit like, oh, God, can't do it. It's got bleed on it. Blood, there's something about blood that, that messes with people. You know, we have medical people in here. We have people that have worked as firemen, people that doctors and nurses and all kinds of things. And blood, you know, some, sometimes blood don't bother people. But I can't figure out for the life of me. I get it. I get it if it bothers you to see somebody's head bloodied up. But I can't figure out why it bothers people for our churches to be bloody. I, I just, I can't figure out why we're trying to learn how to have church and preach and teach salvation without blood because you just can't do it. You cannot be saved without the shedding of blood. Something about blood, it represents pain. It represents uh, death in so many ways. It represents uh, a dark season for some. But all of our messages and our songs and our programs have to do with the resurrection. Everybody wants to sing about the resurrection. We love the resurrection. Nobody, really, that's ever been around the church hates the resurrection, right? We all love the resurrection part. But the Apostle Paul did not just say that I may know him in the power of his resurrection. He said, I, I got to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. And here's the reason why you cannot have a resurrection if there hasn't been a crucifixion. You cannot preach to me that I've been saved if there hasn't been blood on me. I cannot be resurrected if I haven't died. Blood was a language I used to hear a lot as a kid, and it seems like to me, man, it's like you don't hear it nearly as much. But you could be in a prayer room with a bunch of old saints of God back in the day, and you'd hear blood several, several times in that prayer room, you'd hear it very frequently. I plead the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. And you'd hear them say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. And I want to tell you right now, it's not that we've become powerless in this day and age against the forces of darkness. It's just that I think maybe we've been afraid of the blood and the enemy has intimidated us and made us quit opening our mouth and talking about it. But I'm here to declare to you tonight, I still believe there's power in the blood. I still believe there's power in the blood. I believe the blood of Jesus will heal the sick. I believe the blood of Jesus will... Oh, my God. It'll cause demons to flee. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of Jesus is against you. I dare about 10 or 15 people that's been walking through the valley of the shadow of death to just start declaring that right now. The blood of Jesus is against you. The blood of the blood of Jesus is a I don't have to finish preaching tonight. The blood still works. I 
I want this church to have a bloody altar. I want this church to have a bloody altar. When the sick come forward, I want them touching blood. When the ill come forward, I want them touching blood. When the depressed walk in, I want them touching blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. I plead the blood. Don't get me wrong tonight. I love the things that come with the blood. I'm thankful for grace and I'm thankful for mercy. I'm thankful for all that. I thank God for it. But you, you can't, oh Jesus, you can't lay claim to the, to the grace and the mercy of God and then act like the blood don't exist. These are the things that come with the power of the blood. Please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. But when my kids leave the house, you know, I got a baby driving now and it's weird to watch all of your life walk out the door and get in the same car and you're not in there. It's weird. And when they walk out the door, I don't say, when they walk out the door, I don't say, Lord, I plead your grace over them. Does that mean we don't need grace? No, I'm thankful for grace. Lord, I plead your, I plead your mercy over them. Well, I, yeah, we need mercy. I'm going to tell you what I do. When my babies leave, I say, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood over my children. I'm thankful for grace and mercy. But we've got people that have preached grace and love and mercy until God's got to be ready to vomit. Because you can't preach about the resurrection power of grace and mercy if you don't have blood on it. God, I feel it in here right now. Well, break it down, Pastor. What do you mean? I'm going to tell you what it is. It's, it's preaching and believing and teaching a spirit-filled life without repentance. Well, I'm spirit-filled. But I haven't changed anything about my life. Then you're probably not spirit-filled. You probably just talked in tongues. Oh, man. It's tight, but it's right up in here right now. Oh, yes, I received Jesus. I received his spirit in my life. As many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, I know how adoption works in our system right now. I know how adoption works. Adoption works in the system that a judge... Signs the paper and transfers the, 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 the legal guardianship and parentalship to a family. And you love those children like they're your own. It's a gift from God. And those children, they don't, they don't know any different. We have some very special families that have adopted children in this church. And those kids don't know any different. They've been blessed. But I want to tell you something. When the scripture said that we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. I want to tell you the difference. The judge don't just sign his name to my adoption. There's something that happens in the supernatural that it, it don't happen in the natural world. And here's the difference. When I receive the spirit of adoption, he gives me his blood. I am an heir and a joint heir with him and his royal blood is flowing through my veins. Oh yes, oh yes. I'm a child of the king and his royal blood, it flows through my veins. I who was wretched and I who was lost, thank God that I'm a child of the king. 
without the blood, there is no resurrection. I believe that it is the will of God for every man, woman, and child to be filled with the Holy Ghost. I believe that's what God wants. But I want you to notice that is not how he said it in the scripture. The scripture said he's not willing that any should perish. But that all should come to repentance. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? That all come to repentance. In the, what we call the new birth. The death, burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is symbolic of the new birth in our lives. That we find in Acts the second chapter in the 38th verse. Then Peter said unto them, repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I believe that. But the issue is that we want to promise everybody new life. Without getting rid of their old life when we relinquish the power of the blood. In 2 Corinthians, or 1 Corinthians rather, the second chapter. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 1. He said, I, brethren, when I came to you. I, I, I've been in this mindset right here for a little while. I can't really get away from it. He said, when I came to you. He said, I did not come to you with the excellency of speech or wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I am determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I want to be careful how I present this. But I do believe that at some point we've got our priorities out of whack. Because I believe we need to present our best self and put our best foot forward. And I think we need to present ourselves as educated in this world. But when you look at the apostles that were turning their world upside down, when people looked at them, they said, these are unlearned men. Now, I, please, don't misunderstand or misquote me right here. But I'm saying to you, our priorities are out of line. When the number one thing we want to do is give people head knowledge whose hearts have never been changed. It happens in seminaries and theological schools all around the globe. That people go in for four years, six years, eight years and come out with a head full of knowledge and they have no blood on them. He said, when I came to you, I did not come to you with excellency of speech. I didn't come to you with wisdom. Well, that's because he didn't care about education. Do you know who he was? Nobody knew the law any better than Paul did. I mean, good grief. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He knew the law. He understood every jot and tittle. But he did not come to them trying to preach to them the entirety of the law. He said the law is what's shown us what sin is. If we wouldn't have had the law, we wouldn't have known what sin is. But what the law could not fix. He said, I believe if we'll just preach Jesus Christ and Him crucified, it is the cure for what the law has revealed. He said, as I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Follow me closely. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith, oh Lord, help us get this tonight, that your faith, somebody say my faith. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. If our number one motive in the kingdom of God is to get people to say how wise we are, and they leave talking about how good we did, and that's all that happened, we are arrogant and we've missed the mark. This is not about how eloquent of a 
speaker we are. I want to know where's the blood. Somebody shout hallelujah. I wonder if our focus would shift just from excellence of speech and we could get it to shift to at least speaking excellently about his blood. I don't want us walking around sounding like a bunch of goobers don't know what we're talking about. You know what? We're in a world that's educated right now. I'm just being honest. And I don't really like even saying things like this, but I'm just going to tell you, there's some folks that don't walk in the fullness of truth that if it came to a sword drill, they'd wolf our hide. I mean, it, it's sad to me when we got people that don't walk in the fullness of truth and their little kids walk around quoting how many books of the Bible are and our apostolics just know the starting 11 for the Indianapolis Colts, that's all. Crazy. I was reading a book this week. It's supposed to be a spiritual book. And I ne- I never, I've never seen this movie, or I promise you. I've never seen the movie. But the guy was quoting something to do with a spiritual deal, and he said something about, it's kind of like that movie, Fatal Attraction. And he quoted something from it, which is a movie about, from what I understand, about adulterous affairs. I'm like, you're trying to tell people in your book how to care for their souls and relating it to Hollywood's, I, oh God. See, I just lost every, I had you running a few minutes ago. I, I, I had you standing on your head a few minutes ago when I'm talking about the power of the blood. But now I'm talking about why we need the blood and we lock up. <laughs> When in the world do we feel like we got to write our books with some kind of ungodly cliche filth connected to what we're doing? I don't need Hollywood to help me preach. I don't need Hollywood to help me preach. Several years ago, I was in a conversation with a man that had been in uh, Los Angeles he started a church there, and, and we were talking about it. And uh, I can't remember who it was I was talking in, in the conversation with about the church situation. But there was a movie star that if I told you her name, some of you may know who she is. I, I wasn't fully familiar with her. She had played in a movie with Mel Gibson, and I guess that was her claim to fame. I don't know. But she started coming to their church, and... Uh, said one night that they had the, the pastor's family had invited her over to the house and they were playing some games sitting at the tables, real well-known actress. And they were sitting there and, and, and they were scared to death, you know, because we got, we got a big fish <laughs> on the line here. We want to be real careful how we do this, right? And we're always so worried about how we're going to deal with people. And this woman sitting at the table and they're just playing games and they said whatever whatever they're playing cards or whatever so she just laid it down on the table and she looked up at him and she said I'm not supposed to be wearing this am I think about where they're at and where she's from and what she does she said I'm not supposed to be wearing this am I and they said well you just let the Lord deal with you and she said no I'm not supposed to look like this and they were like, well, maybe the Lord's dealing with you. She said, let me tell you folks something. Sitting at their table. She said, let me tell you folks something. She said, I've made a living being fake. She said, I know what fake is. She said, the people in my industry, they make money acting. It's all fake. There's nothing real about it. We're all actors for a living. It's all fake. She said, I know fake when I see it, and I know real when I feel it. You can't tell me that Hollywood is going to set the agenda for the church in the end time. I'm believing God for a powerful. Oh, my, my, my. 
Oh, God. Y'all, I feel something trying to come up out of me tonight. I want something real. I don't need no, I don't want no synthetic blood in this church. I want something real. I heard this story. I know it kind of feels like I'm full of stories tonight. I heard this story. This preacher said this old country boy was up praying. And said, said he just kept saying it over and over. This old country guy was up praying in the altar. He said, Lord, send the unction. Send the unction. He said he just kept on praying. He'd hear him. Every now and then he said he'd just be praying along. He'd say, God, please send your unction. Send your unction in this house, Lord. Send your unction on me, God. Send your unction on me. And finally he thought, I guess he was going to be a smart aleck. And he walked up to that old boy and he said, he said, do you even know what unction is? He said, that old boy stopped praying, turned around and looked at him. He said, well, I know what it ain't. I'm going to tell you right, right now. There's some people in this world, we don't think they want what we've got. Come on now. And they may not know the fullness of the truth yet, but they sure know what it ain't. They know it ain't in drugs and it ain't in alcohol and it's not in perversion. And it's not in the life they've been living. I feel the Holy Ghost trying to help me right now. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you tonight. The enemy would try to make you believe that the things we do is of the devil. I've heard people talk about, well, speaking in tongues is of the devil. That's a lie. If the devil had access to anything that good, everybody'd have it. Talking in tongues was of the devil. They'd talk in tongues in every nightclub in the world. The devil don't have anything like the Holy Ghost. And he don't have anything like the blood. There is no redemption in his name. There is no power in his name. You can't be free in his name. Tell your neighbor tonight, it still takes the blood. My God, I believe it. I believe if a man's going to be born again, he's got to be born again of water and spirit. But I believe before he gets to the water, he ought to be dead. I think that's been an issue for a long time. We've been burying living people. Because we'd rather our, our, our sheet books look good. That we baptized more people this year than we did last year. Look, let me just say it to you like this. I'm thankful for every name that gets put on our book. But that's not the important book. I want their name written in the Lamb's book of life. And I want to be sure that we're not just throwing people that aren't dead to their sin in the water. I want them to be, oh my, 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 my. I want them to be covered in the blood. I want them to be dead. I want that old man to be crucified. Somebody shout yes. Genesis 4 and 3, in the process of time it came to pass. That Cain brought of the fruit of the ground, an offering unto the Lord and Abel. He also brought the firstling of his flock and the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel for his offering, but unto Cain and his offering he had not respect. And Cain was wroth, and his countenance fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you wroth? Why is your countenance fallen? If thou doest well, should not thou be accepted? That right there is one of the most powerful questions ever in the Bible, and nobody ever talks about it. He said, if you would have done the right thing, I probably would have accepted this, right? Read it. That's not me. Read it. He said, if you do well, you've been accepted. But if, who is this talking? It's the Lord talking. People that preach about him not having judgment in his mouth, apparently they don't know anything about the blood. He said, if thou doest not well, sin lies at the door. I'm telling you, some of you, it's so close tonight, you can hear it knocking.
Sin lies at the door, and unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel his brother and slew him. Why are you talking about Cain and Abel? I'm going I'm to show you a little principle right here. God showed me this some time ago. I don't know if I've, I, I, I'm assuming at some point maybe I've shared it. I don't know. But I, I, I'm going to preach this to you right now. This is too powerful to just walk away from. We know the story. Cain brought her the fruit of the ground. Abel brought the firstling of his flock. It was a blood sacrifice. Not only blood sacrifice, but the first. The firstling. God loves first. He brought first. And so Cain is bringing of the fruit of the ground. And it's not even his first fruit. He brings of the fruit of the ground. Cain has no blood on his hands when it comes to sacrifice. When it came to sacrifice, he was trying hard to avoid the blood. But you can rest assured of one thing. And hear me good. Don't miss this right here. The people that try the hardest to avoid the blood are usually the ones that are getting it on their hands before it's all said and done. What I'm about to tell you is not going to be popular, okay? So just, I hope you just click the like button anyway on my soul. You like me. Did you hear, Pastor, when I tell you? Eternity's going to feel different for some folks. You can't know the power of the blood and then denounce the power of the blood and stop preaching about the blood and eternity be the same for you as everybody else. There's going to be some folks that have, that, that have tried to start avoiding the blood that before it's all said and done, they didn't want to preach the blood, but they're going to have some blood on their hands. I don't know, that's awful strong. Let me tell you about strong. And this, 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 you won't find this in any uh, apostolic organization's preacher's manuals. But I'll tell you where you'll find it, you'll find it in the book. The apostle felt so strong about it. Brother Stephen Gill, they said, I don't care if it's an angel. He said, if it's a man or an angel, if they come preaching to you any other gospel than that which we have preached unto you, you know what he was saying? They're going to have blood on their hands. They're going to be cursed. Because if they preach anything but the blood, what the apostles preach, Christ and him crucified. And if they come preaching anything else than Christ and him crucified, there's going to be blood on their hands. But it's not going to be the blood of the lamb. It's going to be the blood of the people that they have misled. I've said for a long time, I could put up with a lot of stuff to keep myself in a church where my family could be saved. I've seen people through the years leave churches, get frustrated, get mad. And I'm not preaching to anybody. There ain't nobody about to leave here unless it's surprised me in Jesus' name. After tonight, we may clear her out. I don't know. I've seen people leave. And it's so funny. Because they, they hold God accountable for things that they're frustrated with in their life. And they walk away from the church. They walk away from the church because they're mad at somebody. It's true. You, 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 you've sat with them. Brother Snow, you've done this for many years. You've sat with backsliders. And, and, and you talk to them after they've left the Lord. You don't ever hear backsliders, hardly ever. Could I, I can't think of one instance right now where I've heard a backslider say, the Lord let me down, so I left. I really don't, I don't, I couldn't tell you if I've ever heard that in my life. But I've sat with a ton of them. And, and, and almost every single one of them that I sit with, they'll say, yeah, them people did me wrong. It's true. They start talking about a preacher that did them wrong and a Sunday school teacher that did them wrong and man, that guy came in, drained her church, blah, 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 blah. And it's God's fault. I could do a lot. I can put up with a lot. I can do a lot to be sure. I wouldn't want to live in Egypt. 
I'd be willing to get out of there too. But the power of that little story I read to you tonight, he said, when you get that blood on there, he said, don't you walk out that door until the Lord says he's done. If you got blood on your doorpost a little tonight, you're in the house of the Lord and you're saved. Don't you walk out that door. Don't you walk out that door. We don't need another uh, statistic. We don't need somebody else walking away from the Lord. Hey, bow your shoulders up and declare, I'm not leaving the house of God. I'm in the safest place there is to be. I'm in the house of the Lord. I don't want to just drag this out and beat a dead horse, but I've thought about it many times. Do you honestly believe, y'all honestly believe that Noah's family spent a hundred days on that ark and never fussed with each other? You can't go to a family reunion for 48 hours and not fuss. But there wasn't one of them eight people that went up to that little window and jumped out because they were mad at Noah. I'm sick of this. He's shutting doors all the time. We, we're stuck in here. We're stuck in our own way. I'm going to tell you all right now, the ark's always been better than the storm. The longer I live in this old world, the more I realize it, it don't have squat for me. There's, there's nothing in this world that I like to identify with. Nothing. Nothing. There's nothing that I enjoy anymore in my life. I promise before Almighty God, there is nothing that I enjoy anymore in my life than being right here in the presence of God. So I've made up my mind that as for me and my house, we got the blood on the door. And I'm not walking out the door. I'm telling you, I wouldn't walk out into that well. I paid for this property, and that's my front yard. And if I want to be in that, that front yard, I'll be in the front. Go ahead. Because when it comes passing through the land, you may feel like you own the property, but, but the word wasn't stay in your front yard. The word was get inside the house and keep the door closed. Yeah. Boy, I feel something right there in the Holy Ghost. It could be very well possible tonight. I'm preaching to somebody that's got your hand on the doorknob. I feel the Holy Ghost right there. I think there's a little prophetic unction resting on me right now. Somebody has been discouraged. Somebody has been feeling the darkness and the weight of this world. I hear it echoing in my mind tonight. The old Bishop Bingham preaching. Somebody's going to backslide five minutes before Jesus comes. Can you imagine somebody opening the door five minutes, five seconds before that death uh, angel came through with the Lord that night in Egypt just because they wanted to know what was going on on the outside. Hey, I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching to my kids, and you can call me closed-minded, but I'm going to tell you what I'm preaching to my kids. I don't care what's going on outside. Yeah. Say whatever you want to say. and You can get miffed at me if you want to, but I've been watching these school board meetings around here. Watching these school board meetings and these parents walking up reading books, pages off books to this, these school boards. Second graders having to read about open sexual relationships. I'm talking about right here in Madison County. Second graders reading in books telling them to choose what kind of sexuality they want. Yes, sir. And, and, and we're worried about sheltering our kids. Hey, I'm going to keep the door closed on mine. I'm going to keep the door closed on mine. I'm tired of this world teaching our kids. I, I'm, I'm sick of them telling us what's normal. Maybe I'm here all to just say it, so I'm just going to say it. I'm tired of this world telling our kids that it's normal to be a girl but want to be a guy, so you just pick to be one. Come on. 
we're, we, we, we were talking, uh, was, it yesterday, was it yesterday about the unicorn? Was that, when was that conversation we had about the, I think it was yesterday. We were in a conversation about a, a little kid that wanted to go to school. It was, it was, yeah, I know who it was with. This little kid was wanting to go to school with a unicorn, spiky pokey thing. What is it called? What am I trying to say? Yeah. Antler sounds better. With a unicorn horn on its head and a tail. And so the, the mother said, you can't wear that to school. And the, the kid snuck out, got in the car and went on. I, I know who the story came from now. It's all coming to me. And, and so the mom said, well, I'll just let the teacher handle this because they'll fix it and they'll embarrass them and get them in trouble, whatever. And they went to school, came home with their little horn and their little tail on. All week. Every day, went to school with a horn and a tail on. And so the mom finally emails the teacher and said, look, I'm just interested in knowing what's going on here. I told my, I told my daughter not to wear the little horn and the, the, the unicorn stuff. And the teacher's response, I'm giving you the short version here. The teacher's response was, well, when I asked her what she had on, she said she was a unicorn. And we can't tell them any differently. So when they told us, when she told me she was a unicorn, I couldn't tell her not to wear a unicorn. Y'all, this came from a reliable source. This lady ain't never lied to me. It was her grandchildren. You listen to what I'm telling you. I want my kids to identify as covered in the blood. I want my I want the kids in this church to identify as tongue talking Jesus' name. Holy Ghost filled. Oh God Almighty. I'm going to tell you what, we've counted on school system to teach our kids scruples, and it ain't going to happen. It's not going to happen. I read a story. You can be seeing I'm almost done. I read a story some time ago. It's been, been several, several years ago. As a matter of fact, uh, I found it in, a, in, a, in another source later. Actually, Max Lucado had written about it. I'd read the story. And I was trying to figure out where it came from and all that. And Max Licato had actually recorded it in one of his writings. But the story came from uh, December the 7th, 1988. And uh, they said the time was 1141 a.m. And there was a powerful earthquake that stu- uh, struck northwest Armenia. And a mother grabbed her daughter's, uh, young daughter's arm just before the floor opened up in their apartment complex, dumping them in the basement with a nine-story apartment building crumbling around them. Lying within dark piles of rubble, the frightened child asked desperately for a drink to quench her thirst that was caused by the dust-filled air. And all the mother could find in the darkness was a jar of jam that had fallen with them into the basement. So she gave the entire jar of jam to her daughter and she had eaten all of the jam out of the jar by the second day. And the child just kept begging for a drink. So the mother suspected that she would not survive but she longed for her daughter to survive and to live. So she removed her dress and wrapped it around her little daughter for warmth. And after being trapped for eight days, the mother knew that she had to give her daughter some nourishment in order to survive. When the child begged again for a drink, the mother cut her own finger open and stuck her finger in the mouth of that child and let her suck the blood from her finger. I know it's going to gross people out. But the little girl said, it's not enough, Mama, I need another one. The mother sliced another finger. Listen. If you wouldn't give your blood for your kids, you ain't worth it. That mama cut her finger again. 
put her finger in that baby's mouth. They stayed in there for nine days. But as I read that story, I began to think about the old paths, the old ways that every year after the Passover, it was another lamb and the sin said, that's not enough, Mom, I need another finger. That's not enough, I need another lamb. That's not enough, it, it, it don't fix it, it only fixes it for a year. That's not enough blood, it's just a lamb and it only pushes it. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. That's not enough blood, that lamb is not enough. Next year I'm going to need another lamb until the day that the lamb that was slain, hallelujah to God, from the foundation of the world laid himself on that old rugged cross and once and for all we knew there would never be another lamb slain because the blood of that lamb was enough if you put that on the doorpost of your home if you put that on the lintel of your home it still takes the blood but it'll keep the devourer from your door it'll keep the devourer from you I believe it still takes the blood Let's stand together tonight. This is my blood of the new covenant for my children that are trapped under the rubble of a falling world. I offer you my blood for those of you that are stuck in the rubbish and the smoke of a crumbling world. Just know that I've given my blood for you. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink, he said. Oh, this is my blood of the covenant. Poured out for many for the forgiveness of their sins. Brothers and sisters, I dare say you'd be far pressed, hard pressed to find anybody in here tonight that would disagree with what I'm preaching to you tonight. But I came with a reminder in my spirit from this, for this church. I feel like telling you, I still believe it. In 2021, I still believe it takes the blood. I don't believe you're going to be saved without it. I don't believe you're going to make it to heaven without it. And I sure wouldn't want to live through this life without it. It takes the blood. If you're here tonight and you believe in the power of that blood... You want to plead it over your life. I would challenge you, wherever you are, just step out right now and say, Lord, cover me in your blood right now. Washes white as snow. Sing, I'm thankful for the blood.